0: Thanks for joining us. This is Beyond the Illusion. In this episode, we're excited and honored to be talking with Christine Calvert about holotropic breathwork. Christine is a licensed chemical dependency counselor and is certified in holotropic breathwork through Groff Transpersonal Training, which is the only program in the world that certifies practitioners in holotropic breathwork. And it was founded by Stanislav and Christina Groff in 1989. Now, you might be asking yourself at this point, what is holotropic breathwork, and who is Stanislav Grof? Well, let's start with Stan Grof. He's a well-known researcher and academic that developed a holistic approach to healing and therapy. He has a ton of credentials and a bio that just goes on and on. He's written several books and is quite a prolific character. Rather than listing his whole bio out in detail, instead, I want to read you a section of his bio that's listed on StanislavGrof.com. Dr. Groff's early research in the clinical uses of psychedelic substances was conducted at the Psychiatric Research Institute in Prague, where he was principal investigator of a program that systematically explored the heuristic and therapeutic potential of LSD and other psychedelic substances. In 1973, he was invited as Scholar-in-Residence to the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California, where he developed with his late wife Christina Groff holotropic breathwork, an innovative form of experiential psychotherapy that is now being used worldwide. Now that you know a little more about Stan Groff, let's go to the conversation with Christine where she's going to fill us in on what holotropic breathwork is all about.
1: I mean, I I looked it up. (laughs) I looked it up online. I mean, I had an idea, but then I was like, oh, what's the official definition? And it said, moving towards wholeness, which I love that definition. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, that's what all the types of, you know, methods that I like to use. um, I want to move towards wholeness. And in fact, I feel like the idea of the illusion is the illusion of separation, and so I love that this is about bringing wholeness. Mm-hmm. But I would love to hear from Christine how you know how you would describe what holotropic breathwork is for someone who's never heard of it.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it is kind of an interesting combination of words because there's so much, which is great. There's so much breathwork, you know, different modalities um that use breath um in a very useful way to expand consciousness so this is this is another one of those methods and um yeah as you said holotropic stan stanislav grof the co-creator of this work um uh coined that term and it you know it essentially um is an expression of of what the work is intended to do which is to you know um bring us back to our own uh, kind of the rediscovery, I think, actually, uh, of our wholeness. And um, the means to do that is through, a, you know, lying on a mat with your eyes closed. Um, we play music, and it, uh, it's, it has kind of a certain evocative um, trajectory to it. And the whole idea of the, you know, of the, of the, the breather's work is to kind of surrender to what we call in, in, in the holotropic work the inner healer you know so it's really this work that's about somebody being able to go within and kind of meet this intrinsic wisdom that exists in each of us that will ultimately if we're willing to allow it guide us you know to the you know guide us to this this wholeness that, that we all have the capacity to access um so i'd say that's a good kind of starting place for it yeah that the inner healer is such
1: a empowering model of healing versus, Mm -hmm. you know, that I need to go to someone to fix me or make me better. It's, I, I really enjoyed that approach that you take and not just that approach, but it was, so when I went to the workshop, um, not that long ago, and I'd been wanting to go for a long time and then finally all the pieces fell into place. um, I think that I was thinking that it was mostly about this special breathing technique that's going to Mm. take us to non-ordinary states of consciousness. But I think it's so much more than that because what struck me was from the very first night that we met over this three-day workshop, the way that you held space for people, Mm. the way that you created this safe, sacred space, very authentically and um, empowering and so that people can open up to their inner healer um, and to trust and believe that that exists. Mm.
0: Uh, I have a quick question. So when you do this practice, is it normally in a group of people or is it like one-on-one individually?
2: Yeah, a good question. I mean, it's, it's, it can be done one-on-one, but it is, you know, ultimately, I think, in terms of getting the, the, the full holotropic experience, it's, it seems that most people find that in, in a group setting. So, um, you know, and there's a couple reasons for that. One is we, you know, there's just the, the aspect of permission. You know, when I'm in a room with other people, doing deep work and allowing themselves to fully express there's a kind of permissive piece in, innate in that and two there is something about the kind of group container that just creates a depth and a wisdom and um, um, I think a different sort of safety for some people mm. and then you know with the group there's a, there's another there's two roles and you, you know you have the breather which is lying down on the mat doing their work and then you have their partner who is a sitter. what we call the sitter and their job is really just to hold space while the person's you know in their in their session and um and then you have facilitators you know walking the floor
0: okay so you pair off and then you you do pair off yeah oh so in in this practice that you do, is it based solely off of the work of Stanislav Grof, or is it like some variation of that, or how does it how did it come about? Where did where did you learn about it?
2: Yeah, from from Stanislav Grof's work. Okay, um, I was trained in th- through Grof Transpersonal Training, which at this you know the, the, it's the only training institute that um, trains people in holotropic breath work, and that was uh, started by by Stan himself, um, and. You know i think if we were to ask him you know where where did this come from did you develop it you know he there's a humility in knowing that so many of the parts of this practice come from a lot of ancient wisdom and lots of other traditions you know we're it feels in some ways like we're just kind of borrowing from you know from the the wise and you know breath as a means to expand consciousness has been you know happening for as far back as we go when we look at spiritual practice or you know, this idea of, um, kind of, space holding, you know, and circle circles, and um, using, you know, music to support healing states of consciousness. I mean, this is not new, these are not new technologies, so we're kind of borrowing those sacred technologies and, and bringing them in. Um, and a lot of the development of this modality in particular really came from his understanding, after working with hundreds of, of um, patients uh, under the influence, therapeutically, Mm -hmm. uh, of LSD.
0: Okay. So yeah, because, um, I mean, for the people who don't know about Stanislav Grof, I only know about him because I went through like a psychedelic phase where I was like really into all that Mm -hmm. and, and trying it and, and, you know, experiencing the benefits of what can come out of that if it's done properly. But, um, I would read a lot too before I even explored anything and I came across him because he's always mixed in with the psychedelic crowd, right? So I read some of his stuff, but he's much more scientific and he's like real academic too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he wanted to see if he could kind of replicate what was happening with the psychedelics, but in a natural way, Mm -hmm. because people had described like, oh, I can achieve those states too, and but I don't have to take something. And um, I always thought that was really interesting. But when I was, I went to a, a this is kind of outside side topic, but mm-hmm. when I, I went to a, a spiritual meetup one time, it was just for guys, and it was like a, it's more like a retreat, I guess. And they did this, but they didn't call it holotropic breath work. Mm-hmm. They just told us to like, <laughs> lay down. And we didn't yeah. pair off either, and they the guy was like guiding us, telling us what to do, like increase our breath. And I, it's kind of hard to remember exactly, but then they started playing this like, you know, tribal drum music. Mm -hmm. And then some people like really felt, and I was one of them and Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, you know, I've taken a lot of drugs Mm -hmm. and that never happened to me before. And so it was really powerful, but I think, um, it could have had more of an impact had they said like oh you know this is for healing work mm-hmm. or this is like maybe could help you with this or that but it was just like lay down we're going to do this yeah. you know and i didn't really we didn't really get any you know information prior to that about sure. what it was all about so but i do remember that happening yeah
2: yeah yeah it's interesting i think one like what what you were mentioning you know about the the workshop space and the setup is is really important you know, at least from a holotropic perspective, you know, the, the setup of, I mean, really any deep expanded state work, um, you know, is done in a way where there is the, um, the preparation, the session, and then integration, you know, it has these kind of three components and at least, you know, what I've been talking to a lot of people in the, in the West, we tend to put a lot of emphasis on just the session work, you know, where we just kind of dive in, you know, have our experience and leave. Without a lot of context, oftentimes, and so it doesn't, you know, at least in my experience, doesn't then have the same uh, ability to really integrate into my being in a way that's really useful. And kind of becomes something similar to like a dream I, you know, acknowledged having and instead of like really being able to kind of, um, you know, soak the most out of it because these are incredible gifts coming from the psyche, you know. Um, and so we really make sure to have this this kind of context, this setup where there's the preparation where people come in and you know, we kind of establish a container together and we talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it and, and give a little bit of theoretical background and a little bit of um, just conversation about types of experiences and what possibly to expect even though that's a bit hard to speak to. But just it's a bit of informed consent too. And then, and then there's the session work. But then we also spend quite a bit of time on the integration side as well which is, always feels really important to me you know, with this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, when you, um, the preparation night, um, I took some notes because the things that you were saying just really uh, resonated with me. And I found it very helpful the next day when we did the session remembering what you said. And so one of the notes that I took was that this uh, kind of work takes a homeopathic approach where you amplify and express the symptoms rather than reducing or suppressing the mm-hmm. symptoms. And that's incredible because, you know, I think that's not an approach that's often taken in any kind of mainstream type of um, healing. And, um, you know, I'd love for you to talk about that more. Um, I just wanted to say that during my session, when it was my turn to be the breather, um, there was a point where, and, and I had, I had a very, um, super conscious, ecstatic experience where, um, cause some people I think some people will go into the subconscious and clear out lower shadow stuff. And then some people will go into the super conscious and have kind of, um, those types of experiences. And that just happened to be what I had, but there was a part of a subconscious time, um, where somebody was just talking behind me. And my normal approach would be, you know, and I found myself getting annoyed and my normal approach would be to talk myself out of that and be like, no, mm-hmm. that person just, you know, that's their experience, let them have that. Um, and that's what I do all the time. So it's just so normal for me. But then I remembered your words and I was like, no, I'm supposed to amplify my annoyance. So like, I was like making it bigger and bigger. And it was so strange because I never do this. I just made it huge. So it was like so overwhelmingly frustrating that I just screamed like a primal scream, which I never Mm. do. And that was incredible. It was so powerfully freeing. As soon as I did it, just all of that washed away and just this huge smile came over my face and I felt so happy. And even after my breather told me, he said, it's funny, I was feeling that same way about the talking. And he said, when you made that scream, it washed away my annoyance. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something about um, these two roles and how we're Mm -hmm. all not just even the two roles of the sitter and the breather, but mm-hmm. the whole group, we're helping each other. And it's kind of shared clearing and healing that yeah. we're doing on different levels. Yeah. But I'd love for you that. to talk more about that homeopathic approach, because I do think that that's such a big piece of why this work is so powerful.
0: Yeah, I, I want you to talk about that too. But actually, I have a question for you first. <laughs> Did you actually really scream out loud?
1: I Yeah, can you imagine? I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I this was it. like a piercing curdling scream that I'm sure (laughs) shocked the heck out of everybody, including myself. But then, I mean, seriously, the joy that was behind mm, that was, mm -hmm. it just rushed right in. And there was this huge smile and just so much lightness of being that Mm. all of this little annoyances that happen every day that I sort of talk myself out of, but it doesn't really go away, was able to wash through that. So
2: wow, I that's think amazing! that's what's happening now, do, to us a lot. Do you have lot. that
0: kind of thing happen a lot in there? I do. Really?
2: Yeah. It's a bit, um, it's a bit of a pandemonium in there. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty intense. Cause yeah. when
0: I was telling you guys about what happened to me, I was, there were only like, there's probably like 40 people in there yeah. and only like two or three were having real experiences from mm-hmm. what I could tell. And mine was like, I felt like all this electricity coming mm-hmm. through me and yeah. I was like, arching my body and like yeah. i felt and i felt weird because i wasn't screaming though
2: mm-hmm. but <laughs>
0: um, but yeah okay so I'll it does get kind of kind of wild yeah. in we there get a then. little
2: wild yeah oh, i
0: mean awesome. it's
2: really it's you know like you're saying it's so it can be so freeing you know one of I, I i remember uh listening to stan i was you know watching him work with somebody and the words he used to her was to essentially he said we're not civilized here like let let it let it happen you know this energy that wanted to come through that was kind of begging to come through is how i sometimes see it and you know we live in a, at least my experience of the world we live in is you know quite repressed and behaved and kind of zipped up and it is one place on the planet where people can go and there's there's you know where our humanity which is so much more than that zipped upness that we walk around in is not only welcome but it's actually kind of celebrated, you know, we say things like make it bigger, you know, like that's it, really go for it, you know. And and we we just aren't met with that a lot in in our world and so far we've found that it's been um incredibly healing for people to to have that permission and um to be able to explore those kind of deeper impulses of our being that want to express themselves and um so the homeopathic approach is really yeah, what what just pulled me in 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 this modality because um i think so much of my suffering when i found this work came from um you know this just over like you know this ego identification of of like who i'm supposed to be in the world and my relationship to self and others and um no matter how much i kind of intellectually understood that there was another way to have a space where i could actually just be fully expressive and be fully free and me and whatever that meant you know they said when i walked into a breathwork room they said come as you are you know and they meant it and there there wasn't many places on the planet that i think we get to experience that so it was a very special space for me too to know that and then and then to speak more to the homeopathic approach it, it's like also giving you know saying to you inherent in that um that there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing to fix here and that if there's anger or there's deep grief or there's, you know, rage or, um, whatever that is in there, that there's nothing wrong with that and that we can invite that up because the symptom in our, you know, system here is the beginning of healing. It doesn't, it doesn't equal pathology. And that's quite a different approach, at least from the the clinical approach that I was raised under as a clinician, you
0: know? Yeah. Because if you're constantly saying, that Let, let's say anger, for instance, if, if anger is wrong, then you are suppressing it in a way and you're just bottling it up and yeah. maybe even making it worse, yeah. you know, by accepting that that's part of us. I think you're right. That is the first step in healing is just mm-hmm. saying like, yeah, this is here. This is a symptom, like you said. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we all have those things in mm-hmm. us and, you know, it's, we do live in a place where we're, it's a highly suppressed society, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways, you know,
1: I'd love to hear more about how you came into this work and how, yeah, how did you find it? And
2: yeah, I um, you know, it kind of found me. I, I this is how I see it sometimes because it feels like such a um, a blessing to have just come into contact with it. I was living in a small town about two hours from Austin, uh, Kerrville, Texas, and I had come there from Los Angeles, and I was just seeking, um, you know, seeking healing. I was in a place in my life where I was. Uh, coming out of an an addiction and uh, I was uh, had this just fury in me in terms of like seeking and um, needing to find something um, to handle this internal experience, which was really painful at the time. And um, I'd been doing a lot of work on myself, a lot of kind of therapy and, you know, I'd done some 12-step work and I had, you know, done a lot of meditation and kind of explored different things there. And that was all very useful. Um, but it just kind of felt foundational in a way and there was still this this longing this kind of yearning for something that i couldn't you know that i didn't understand i couldn't have articulated that at the time and uh i had a friend who was actually just finishing the training the the holotropic training is actually pretty extensive um and uh was finishing that and was kind of starting to invite and this was kerville texas 15 years ago which you know 15 years ago there was no meditation groups we had to drive to austin to join like a group to meditate um you know it was really kind of there was a lot of christian influence which was fine It just some of that didn't totally resonate with what i felt i needed and there was this um this this man who would kind of invite a few of us over quietly like we'd do some meditations and we'd watch weird movies and you know about <laughs> consciousness and it was so four of us came and and he we did a breathwork session and it was one of the Um, you know when we first kind of listened to what we were when I was listening to the preparation talk I thought this sounds really silly you know quite frankly and um, I'm not sure that this is going to work for me but I'll give it a shot and I just proceeded to be humbled and in having one of the most profound internal experiences of my life and I came out of that literally just in tears I could not stop crying because I realized one that every time I was reaching for something like a substance that was the feeling i was looking for which was this experience of being able to come home to myself it didn't necessarily look pretty and it didn't necessarily feel good it wasn't necessarily comfortable and there was a lot of that too a lot of joy and kind of um excitement to you know meet these kind of more spiritual sacred spaces in me but also a lot of my humanity but i finally had a space to do that in that made sense so um from there i used to uh you know any chance I could to, to do the work, I, I would do it. And then eventually started the training. So yeah, that was a little bit of my journey to it.
0: You know, all this, all these podcasts we've been doing and all this exploring and I've been doing, it's, it's pretty new for me. Like I know tiana has been doing it for years and years, but it's, it's fairly new to me. And you know, I, I used to think in the beginning of the process, like, Oh, I need to find this external knowledge or this external source or this power or this being that can help me. Right. And that can fix things that I want to fix or help me achieve what I want to achieve. And then as it progressed, I realized like, it's not really about anything external. Mm -hmm. It's more about internal, you know, Mm -hmm. what's inside of us and what we all have this power that's inside of us. And, uh, more and more, I've been coming to that conclusion that anything that we need or we want or we seek is already here Mm -hmm. and and it's just like I kind of knew that like I'd heard it and stuff but when you really know it it's different and Mm -hmm. I think this is touches on that right like the inner healer and and uh, you know knowing how to get in touch with that part of ourselves and um yeah I just wanted to
2: say that yeah. yeah no that's beautiful I love that
1: yeah, we have to have a like a physical, bodily experience mm-hmm. of that understanding that we have intellectually for yeah. it to really be realized in our life. Yeah. yeah. So Tim had uh, Stan Grof's book, Healing Our Deepest Wounds, and he said in the book that one of the really common questions that people had is why should reliving of traumatic memories be therapeutic? Rather than represent re-traumatization? Mm-hmm. and how how would you answer that?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, this comes up a lot in the work um, because we do. There is, you know, there is a space presented for these these parts of our history to, to come uh, back up or, or back through. And um, I think the way I would speak to it is that, you know, the the psyche is an incredible mechanism, and so, um, you know, at the time of an event what happens is at least from what we understand now you know psychologically is that we're not actually fully experiencing the event we kind of you know the psyche does what it needs to to protect us so there's um you know dissociative states that happen various ways and different ways that the psyche kind of uh protects us or kind of allows us to split off from the painful experience because i think the reality is if especially you know as as if we're talking about kind of trauma for you know in an earlier time in our lives as children, we don't have the capacity to, um, to hold that sort of sensation or emotion. Um, so I think if we really were to experience it, it would be, it's too much for the system. And so our system is so incredible at, you know, finding ways to navigate that. So we, it so we don't perish in the face of it. And, um, so as we do this work and, and the, the, you know, we go into the breath and we're in a space where, um, we assume that the psyche feels safe enough to allow these pieces to, um, start to resurface that what, what is happening, this is what people have reported is, is that these experiences from their past actually come up in a way that they, uh, hadn't been able to really perceive or be with before. So there's a couple ways that this happens, you know, one is that it comes up, you know, and gets to release through the body, you know, it has kind of the somatic release in a way um or you know it comes up in a way the psyche is also just brilliant in bringing things up in a way that we're capable of, of handling and you know i believe in a way that that uh we're capable of kind of integrating for the purpose of healing and and then you have actually uh, for a lot of us the first time the support so so much of our i, I you know so much of our trauma i'm not saying all of it but, you know but it happens in relationship and so to be in sitting with another where somebody's just witnessing us and holding space or there's facilitators that are there to to hold us if we need it or to sit by us or to whatever it is that's needed you know that's available and so it also just creates a completely different space for you know to to be held in um and so what people have shared is that while they were maybe going back through like a um you know, a traumatic experience, and it was it was coming up for them. It was so different. One to be in their adult body and, and experience it from that perspective, or if they were really regressed and feeling like they were in a childlike state, the what made the biggest difference was that they there was somebody there to witness them, you know, or there was somebody there to hold them or um, to hold their hand or whatever it was that they needed. Um, essentially, that they were not alone. And so there's. You know, what Stan has, has said over and over, and we've certainly witnessed it, is it's very different to be held in an ordinary state of consciousness versus an expanded state of consciousness. So when we're held in these deep states, um, you know, again, what people have shared is that it just, it kind of penetrates their being in a whole different way. And it allows for a whole nother kind of capacity for healing to start to happen it's a phenomenon i don't pretend to understand it by any means but so when some of these um pieces from the past that we might call trauma you know that our system um perceived as as threatening and traumatic um we we you know one get to go through them uh in a way where uh we're just held and supported um and two, you know, it's this work is so much about trusting. If, if if we say it is about trusting the inner wisdom, we also then believe that if it's coming up, it's coming up because it's ready to heal. So just whole, you know, having that context in and of itself, um, you know, allows us to really trust those pieces, even though they might be difficult, um, to to go ahead and present themselves to us. Um, that if it's happening and there's, it's because there's a a part of us that is is ready to heal it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have people come back to you quite a bit?
2: Yeah, it has been the case, yeah, that there's a lot of kind of repeat
1: breathers.
0: Mm. I'm sure.
1: Do do you find that people are kind of opening more and more Mm -hmm. each time they come? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think that was um, the case for me that even though it was my first time in this experience, having done other types of inner work that I could more easily open um, because of that. And so the funny thing for me was that I thought that it was going to be all about the breathing technique. But um, I found that I was very quickly, like I was trying to find my rhythm with the breathing. And then I was getting stuck in that, like trying to find a rhythm and then feeling frustrated. Um, And so then I just totally let go of focusing on the breath at all. And was just kind of following the energy and the rhythm, and then it totally brought me there. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I really do believe that there's so many components that you guys did so well that create this. You know, it's it's partly the breathing, it's partly the music, it's partly the preparation, mm-hmm. it's um, partly having someone watching you as the sitter it's it's partly hearing everyone else expressing and recognizing oh i'm not the only one like you said right um so there's so many pieces that all together just make this beautiful container for our inner healer Mm. to emerge
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah beautiful yeah when you're describing it like that it does sound like something that was like created over hundreds maybe thousands of years Yeah. yeah
1: and we're missing that in our culture now you know like I I, I get that it could also work just one-on-one with a practitioner but I do at least for myself I I got so much value out of the group sure and um, so like I said even though I've been you know doing different types of work inner work that you know has a similar um, effect or approach doing it in a group makes such a big difference because it can be a real solitary path to, to, for me, a lot of it, Mm -hmm. you know, is having a, one is having a direct experience of the divine and one is having a awareness integration of all the aspects of myself, which, which is a piece of the divine. Mm -hmm. Um, but that has been like a really solitary journey and yet, um, it is like the universal journey of, human (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but but you you kind of forget that and so just for us to all be together having that was really um special
2: Mm. yeah there's such a shared humanity piece in that for me it's amazing to watch how you know where people are at the start of a workshop and then just like 48 hours later you know the kind of depth of relationship that can happen in that space
0: yeah i think it probably has something to do with being able to let go in that environment mm-hmm. and whereas in the rest of your everyday living life you just That's you right. can't do that you yeah. don't feel comfortable enough to you can do that but you just don't feel comfortable enough to do it you know there's all these rules and expectations and you can that... do
2: that and then they'd probably be carting you off to the psychiatric <laughs> <laughs> unit. Like, yeah
0: Yeah, but you know, I'm just thinking about like, just going through my life, I'm a totally different person when I walk through the door at home than I am when I walk through the door at work, you know, and that's, I don't know if that's good or bad, probably okay, it's just, you know, that's the kind of culture we live in. Yeah. So, I'm sure there, you know, a lot of people out there who could probably use some release, you know, Mm -hmm. some going into a safe space and being able to express things that they're not able to anywhere else, you know
2: yeah
1: yeah who would you say like if somebody were listening to this podcast and wondering like is this a modality for me like who would you say like you know if if you're experiencing
2: this or if you've been wanting this this is the right approach for you it's always an interesting question It's, you know this has been such a interesting uh, modality to navigate marketing because Because that's actually not, at least for me, that's not how I would market it. You know, if you're looking for this, you know, it it just doesn't have that. It's so, Uh it doesn't resonate for me uh, when it comes to this work. But, you know, we want to get the information out there. So I think, you know, what I tend to do is just describe the work and what people have shared that they've gotten from it. Um because I, I, we're also very careful not to guarantee anything you know yeah. i mean we have we're like stepping into the most mysterious territory uh that 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 we know which is the the human psyche and um so you know my approach is generally just to share about the a little bit of the theoretical framework and um and then maybe a few things about what people you know themes that people have shared about you know this kind of connecting to um you call it kind of super, super con- consciousness. Um, so like, you know, conne- this connected connection to the sacred down to, you know, being able to work with some of these um, trauma pieces to, um, you know, just working with our emotional landscape in a, in a whole new way. Um, people who are just simply interested in what it even means in their own being to experience an expanded state, you know, and a lot of us don't know what that actually means besides with the use of a substance. Um, you know, people have share a lot about the community aspect of it. Um, so I think there's, you know, there's a lot. There's, there's also the perinatal piece that can be brought in for some people. You know, there's been a lot of work. Stan talked a lot about um, this capacity we have in this work to kind of also heal not only our biographical, like what happened from birth to now, but also kind of go into deeper aspects, deeper roots, like the perinatal experience. Um, so it's vast, you know, and I think if that sparks something in, inside of you, Um, you know and to me that's the inner healer you know saying cool let's do this thumbs up and um, you know we have people who will sign up and last minute they cancel or um, and we just totally trust that that's exactly what they needed you know I have no no qualms about it because I again even when it comes to sign up and whether or not this work resonates for them it feels like you know it has to be the inner healer guiding that process do Rather you, than kind of like a fancy marketing or, or advertisement, sure. game, you know, so it's, yeah. it's tough to...
1: Yeah, I didn't mean to like make it sound like that. I meant more kind of just, um, f- yeah, so that if people were trying to relate to this work and understand yeah. if no, it was I, the I right gotcha. fit for yeah. them. But um, but yeah, I, I thought your answer was really great. Um, and, oh, you know, so I was wondering then do you ever have people that leave in the middle of the because you were talking about how people sign sure. up and then don't show up and i was imagining that maybe sometimes people would be overwhelmed and just yeah. kind of like pick up and
2: yeah it's haul good, it out of there. Gosh, i think i've had it happen maybe once mm-hmm. you know or a couple times sometimes what happens is that they go through the the, the intro talk and then they get really sick that night you know uh-huh. like something really does come mm-hmm. up and, it, and they they just can't come or um uh, sure, we've had a couple of people say, "Look, I, I this sounds great, and I just don't think it's my time." Sure. So mm-hmm. we just give them a big thumbs up for that, you know, just for listening, because I think, um, yeah, it's it's it can be really beautiful, ecstatic work, you know, for, it can it can really bring up that just open, joyful, um, expanded place in you, but it can also be challenging, you know. I think when we've spent a lifetime kind of compartmentalizing to survive you know it's it's interesting to then step into a space where we start to unlock those compartments a bit you know we never know what we're going to find do you find
1: that um the energy the group kind of influences so like oh this group it's Mm -hmm. mostly all the the deep wounds and or you know because as someone is kind of expressing anguish and pain that maybe it's triggering the other people in the group and then as this person over here is accessing a really ecstatic state that maybe it's and they're laughing and something that that's affecting the people around them or does it seem to not really
2: yeah that's a good question yeah. i mean i think sh- sure there's that kind of collective inner healer too that's working but um you know i think what we've seen on the floor is like someone will let out a scream and mm. then you know if there's like five other people who have been holding that in it's like now oh, okay. <laughs> you know time they, they just feel like they have permission or you know, somebody's deep cry can really evoke then that in another. Or sometimes we'll get a giggle that just goes, like, a, you know, throughout the room for a while. And so I, th- I think there's certainly some influence, you know.
0: And so you're the person that's kind of walking around mm-hmm. and making sure everything is... Yeah,
2: there's usually a few of us kind of walking around. Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I remember that part. Like, someone came over and touched me, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't anyone nearby me. It was someone who was walking gotcha. through... Yeah. Okay. It's um it's an ex- it's an interesting concept, you know, because like you were saying, when when you do psychedelics and you know, you go to the edge there and you have a profound experience, sometimes it's pretty scary, mm-hmm. you know, because there's stuff you're you're right, there's stuff in there that you didn't know was going to come up or you weren't thinking about or you were actively suppressing without realizing it and i think maybe that's what people are afraid of too you know that maybe walk out or don't come back or something but um i don't know i just i i thought that um it would make me a little nervous yeah. to go Cause, I mean, just because i, cause I, I know nervous. what yeah i was yeah. gonna say yeah because yeah, yeah i know what might come up you know <laughs> it might, right. might be scary yeah. <laughs> so but it might be great too like you said that's
2: right yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it's, it might be scary, but also, I, other someone else might see it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not easy to be in the vulnerability of letting my rage out, you know, or my deep grief, you know, in front of a room, and and to let people witness that, I think is some of the most healing um, components of the work, but also some of the, the hardest and, and most scary to, to just open up and say yes to that, you know?
0: Yeah. Do, have you? Has anyone ever come to you later and said like, "Wow, this really changed my life," and and just had like a turnaround or anything? Have you ever had that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have. I you know, so for some people, they go, "Yeah, it was a great experience." Like, you know, don't know if I'd do it again. And then, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people, it's it's deeply life changing. Even if the experience wasn't that big, I mean, we really encourage people too, to be with the subtleties that are arising. Not everybody has these big, you know, huge. Um, overt experiences for some people they're very internal they can be very subtle which to me are just as precious and just as sacred and just as healing if we're willing to pay attention to them we have this funny thing that happens a lot you know this kind of we we like have like we call it in in the in in the training like process envy you know like we get envious of other people's processes in the in the work or you know we start to compare like well i had the visual things and i had this but i didn't have that you know like they did and well they screamed and cried and I was just really internal, so I don't know if I did it right. You know, there's a lot of that. It's funny how we do that kind of competitive thing. But so yes, and to answer your question, we've had a lot of people say, you know, that this has been life changing. Again, regardless of which end of the spectrum they hit, um, for some people though, it's surprising. It might not be the actual session work. It might have been the experience as a sitter, or um, you know, the sharing circle, the integration circle of the next day, or. Um, something that happens a week after, you know. So it's it's kind of mysterious in that way.
0: Yeah, because you were saying the integration is a big part mm-hmm. of it, you know. And I I can remember my some of my experiences. It's like taking years to integrate yeah. that stuff. You know, and it still comes up, and I'm yeah. like, wow, I'm still learning yeah. from that experience. And I'm sure it's the same way. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's it's powerful.
1: Yeah. Layers.
2: Mm-hmm. Even yes. what
1: we were when you were saying something about how civilized we try to be and and so forth it made me think of in our dream podcast and I talked about the dream that I had of uh, finding the mouse in the um, Mm matchbox and then taking him outside and then he became a lion I was like ah that's the me that screamed in the the workshop you know that part of me again that tried to because this mouse was wearing a suit and he was in a matchbox it was like really odd and I was like wait that's not right it needs to go outside (laughs) that's part of that how we stuff ourselves and try to Mm. make it civilized and throw it in a drawer Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. of
0: course yeah (laughs) and and it's funny because uh you're talking about that dreams episode but i i would do that too with with your dreams i would think wow Her's are like so coherent and like have uh, this message, you know, uh, <laughs> what about mine? My, yeah. No, but you know, mine are different. I'm, yeah, I, am i am a different right. person and my mind works differently. Right. My whole, you know, way of looking at things yeah. is differently. So of course my messages come through in a different way. You that's know, right. and,
1: and those are only the dreams that I told you about. I have lots of incoherent <laughs> yeah, dreams, of but I didn't bring those up because they didn't right. make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yeah right yeah. and that's the same with people's experiences that's you know right. they're sharing certain parts but they're not sharing their whole exact everything mm-hmm. you know they're telling you the highlight reel mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know it's like what we post on social media to- totally yeah. <laughs> you're not seeing the, everyone's right. whole life right, right, yeah. Right, right yeah
2: yeah good
0: point i always thought people should post more Bad stuff, right? You know, like, like, to, like even it out, uh-huh. make us, yeah. You know, but, but they won't. I mean, I wouldn't.
1: I, I mean, you can see it two ways because, um, oh well, we already see all the bad stuff yeah, from true. regular news, and so you know, to see just people's Enjoy. special yeah. happy moments can balance it out. From it depends on how you look at mm-hmm. it. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so you mentioned the perinatal stuff, um, which I didn't have my own personal experience of mm-hmm. that in. in the holotropic um breathwork but um, I noticed it a lot in um, the book Stan Groff's book so is there the idea which actually I believe this that um, just being born is a trauma <laughs> there's the tr- that everybody experiences trauma through being born and and so that's why that comes up a lot yeah. or so it doesn't have. There didn't have to be any complications or anything. It's just right. going from this expanded mm-hmm. state into this confused, limited state mm-hmm. of being, feeling like you're disempowered and not knowing how to be in this world.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, you know, if you think about the birth process, I mean, there's a lot of ways it can go. You know, there's a lot of cesarean births now too, um, but. For instance, though, just kind of a a regular birth process is still quite traumatic, as you mentioned. I mean, there's the, you know, the being in the aquatic um, state, you know, kind of united with the mother, not having to, you know, do anything on its own. It's kind of completely dependent on this being. and, um, And then the experience of contractions, you know, that start to happen. So this feeling then of like, all of a sudden, you know, this is just what people have shared that they've experienced through the work. You know, the, then there's the experience of being um, kind of attacked. You know, there's all of a sudden this contraction to this little body that otherwise has been floating, you know, depending on the womb they're in. You know, it could have been a toxic womb, but uh, let's just assume it's not for a second, you know, quite peacefully. And then there's all of a sudden this kind of really sharp experience that comes in uh, sensationally. And then you have the, you know, the, the birth canal, which is, you know, smaller than the baby. So it's this kind of fight for life, literally, you know. And you can't once you start that process, once the fetus starts, it cannot go back, you know. Um, and then, of course, kind of coming into then, you know, the experience of, uh, you know, bright lights and uh, all this new sensation. And I mean, that's that's a lot, you know, that's a lot for for a, for a fetus to, to a newborn. Uh, to experience, and then you know the reality is now there is you know even even if they're minor and seem like not a big deal, there there are often at least minor complications. You know whether that's beginning in kind of the first stage where, you know, I, I think we're all doing the absolute best we can. But you know, there's often times where you know the mother is is struggling you know emotionally, uh, mentally, or physically. Uh, maybe they're not in a very supportive environment. Maybe they're just kind of terrorized by fear um you know maybe their nutrition isn't great things like that so just even you know from that space the the fetus is kind of having the same you know is, is also getting then the transmission of everything the mother is going through in that space and then down to you know the whole birth process and then whatever happens right after is also a very tender time so um so a lot of people have experienced kind of reliving parts of their birth um, and the point of that is, is too, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to talk about this, but that often we're born, you know, we take on a lot in that time, too, from what people have shared, like, for instance, you know, this idea of kind of codependency, you know, this relational pattern where we're always kind of, to keep it simple, constantly, like, feeling responsible for another. People who have really dealt with that pattern in a deep way have shared in the breathwork that they had an experience of realizing how much pain their mother was in while they were, um, you know, during pregnancy and they would say things like, as I was going through, she, she was going through the, birthing me, I felt her pain and how scared and angry she was that she was having to go through this. And I realized that I was I taking care of my mother my entire life. And so we're born anatomically, but we're not always born emotionally. So when people get to kind of relive this, there is a rebirthing of self that gets to happen. And so they can, um, you know, and then and then hopefully what often comes with that is the psychological death and rebirth. Where they, you know, some kind of false part or, you know, of, of the ego gets to shed or dissolve also in that process. So they get to come out, you know, in a, in a new space. So... Um, you could talk for hours about the perinatal, but it's a. And then also, people have shared that it's a dimension doorway into the transpersonal, into the spiritual, into the sacred. So, oftentimes, there'll be a big birth kind of piece, perinatal piece, and then it kind of launches into um, the transpersonal realm or the spiritual realm or the realm of the sacred.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I don't think we ever really think, you know, because we can't. Consciously remember our birth and right. we think like, "Oh, well, there's yeah. nothing there to mm-hmm. explore."
2: <laughs> it's a it's an incredible template. I mean, when people really get connected to it, what what I've heard a lot is um, they start to realize that not only was their biographical experience from birth to now or early childhood uh, experiences the template for a lot of the patterns in their life, they actually often find the root of it in the in the in the perinatal when they can kind of reconnect with it. Uh, in work like you know breath work or otherwise so it can be really powerful because
1: as a hypnotherapist i do a lot of past life regression and sometimes Mm. people are really afraid of that they're going to go through death and i don't i don't know who said it but that the that we have it backwards that the trauma is birth and death is the release and that's really what happens most of the time um when people people don't always go through the death process in our past life regression but um, but it really is this release and freedom that people feel,
2: wow.
1: um, and so it's it's unfortunate that we have it backwards. Mm, wow. <laughs> that we see say. it yeah. that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is it is it kind of seen as like a pathway maybe to this consciousness that's outside of our like physical body? Because you know, before you're born, there's consciousness. You mm-hmm. apparently have consciousness, right, before you're born, and I'm just wondering if. Maybe this going reliving the birth is somehow accessing that, that consciousness, and even after death,
2: you know. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think my experience of it is kind of that I then, you know, in in kind of reliving a birth uh, piece was then reconnecting with. I guess I might call it like the one, you know, the, mm-hmm. like like unity consciousness, you mm. know. Um, so I, I, I mean, I would say.
0: Yeah. So you have had that experience. I have, yeah. Okay.
2: And I've had it a few times, and it it actually always comes differently. You know, it's like a different kind of layer aspect of that. Um, yeah, I mean, this work is just quite humbling in that sense. Yeah, I'm sure. Is there
1: anything that you wanted? You know, you wanted to make sure that people knew about this work. Um, any aspects that we haven't touched on that are important for? the uninitiated or unaware to kind of know about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the part to me that always feels worthy of emphasizing is, um, which we've already talked about, but is the is the, the kind of uh, emphasis on the inner healer and how important that seems to be for people in their healing work that, um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I spent a lot of time, you know, you mentioned this earlier, Tim, looking outside of myself for the answers, and this was really a modality, and this is not the only one. You know, there's other spaces out there that do this, but you know, where somebody uh, refused to be the to, to be the expert on my own psyche, you know, and um, gave me a, a chance at radical self empowerment, and that to me is really where where healing can happen, and so it just feels so important to, um, you know, to to just. Continue to mention that this inner healer thing i think really does exist based on my my experience certainly and what so many other people have shared and that that has been such a deep um that has been such the culprit for for healing um when we can find places and spaces and people who can really honor that within us and um i mean that's what i love so much about the work is it just says you know you know and then we when people come in whatever their experience is you know we get to just hold it to the best of our ability with open arms you know our arms uh, are wide rather than kind of this pushing away of certain experiences and accepting of others um and that's not because we're saints; it's only because we had to do that with our own inner you know experiences over and over again and be shown by other people over and over again how to hold space for ourselves you know and um and that no matter what arises that it's all just an incredible gift from this inner you know this this wisdom within us that's um i i feel like when people come into the work and again you know not just the holotropic breath work but when we just start to do this you know healing it's like i feel like our inner healer is just like cheering and so excited that we're willing to look inward you know and i i just think it takes um so much courage and i bow about every everybody who's willing to take any steps toward that so
1: it does take a lot of courage um someone again i don't <laughs> i'm the worst i don't remember who i read some practitioner who said that you know it doesn't matter like psychotherapists or hypnotherapist or all of these different types of therapists or um healing modalities um that our job really is to get really good at holding space yeah. that's really what we're doing yeah. and that's you know and the idea of holding space is what you're saying is We're holding space so that the person's own inner healer can Mm -hmm. come in and do the Mm -hmm. work. And so in all of these different modalities, the, the ones that, um, the practitioners or the facilitators that create that safe space, um, empower the individual to connect to their inner healer and, um so so yeah that was what I really aligned with in this modality and you could see the shifts that happen in people from that yeah
2: hmm
0: so I would like to go and experience this and I don't know where to find you so how can people find you
2: yeah um, so um, you know we have a Facebook platform it's uh, under holotropic Austin and there's also a meetup group called uh, holotropic austin Um, i have a a website it's a little bit outdated in terms of you know workshops and things but it's uh, alchemyatx.com and then also in terms of the training um, through graf transpersonal training all of those training weeks they're six days actually are for the public so they're open to anybody that wants to experience a, a residential version of this it's you know to me it's it's just an incredible space to, to try the work there. Um, it's national, like there's different sites around the U S and then also internationally. And you can find information there at holotropic.com. All right. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Thank you both. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of beyond the illusion. I'd like to say thank you to Christine Calvert for taking the time to speak with us and share some of her knowledge. I'd also like to say thank you to Casey Henson for providing the music. If you're interested in learning more about holotropic breathwork or Christine, please visit her website at alchemyatx.com. That's spelled A L C H E M Y A T X.com. For more information about this podcast, as well as past episodes and more, please visit our website at beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on social media as well. Take care.